Welcome to the Littler International Employment Law Podcast Series. Conversations for the multinational employer on issues impacting their global business. Welcome to today's APAC Employment and Labor Law 2021 Series, a spotlight on China. My name's Trent Sutton, and I'm the Office Managing Shareholder of Littler's APAC Regional Hub here in Singapore. I'm joined today by Special Counsel Nancy Zhang. Hello. She works with me in this office. Thank you for joining us today, Nancy. We have a really significant discussion uh, for today's podcast. Starting January 1st, 2021, China's first ever civil code came into effect. It brings extensive changes to China's legal landscape. This podcast will be the first of several podcasts devoted to the impact on employment law arising out of this new civil code. We'll address the opportunities and challenges that uh, employers have in uh, enforcing the civil code and complying with it, as well as some of the approaches we suggest to help navigate this new civil code era. But today, we'll focus on the broader changes brought about by the civil code and then drill down specifically on an important topic, the code's impact on employee privacy. So our listeners should subscribe to the APAC Employment and Labor Law 2021 podcast series to get more detail in upcoming podcasts of these other changes uh, in the civil code that impact employment law. But today, let's start off. Nancy, do you giving us just a general introduction to the new civil code? Sure. The Civil Code was passed by the National People's Congress on May 28, 2020. It is a wide-ranging legislative package of all the existing civil laws. It consists of seven chapters and 1,260 articles, so far the most extensive piece of legislation in the history of China. 1,260 articles. That is a lot of work. Yes. The code covers various dimensions of civil society, such as private property, contracts, personal privacy, marriage and family, inheritance and tours, etc. When the code became effective on January 1st, several civil laws were simultaneously abolished, such as civil law principles, civil law general rules, contract law, and a number of others. Now, China already has a labor law and the employment, the primary employment contract law. Does the civil code change employment laws? The answer is no and yes. I said no because the civil code sets up only the general law principles that employment law should follow, but it didn't change anything substantially in the employment regime. The relationship between the civil code and the employment law is most likely the general law versus specific law. When dealing with employment lab matters, we should use employment law first. Just in case any issues not addressed by the employment law, then the civil code should be applied. And I said yes, because the code brings challenges to employers because it sets up some new obligations for employers on the prevention of sexual harassment, uh, the privacy and the personal information protection for employees. Also, it uh, addressed several issues that never been brought up in the legislation in the past. So employers who are not familiar with those changes, they may get lost. 
So new obligations on the prevention of sexual harassment and privacy and protection, these sound like very important developments. So let's talk about those a little bit more then. What are exactly the changes to the employment law scheme that the civil code brings? Yes, before answering question, we need to look into what civil code did. First, the code combined, replaced, and changed the existing civil law. Second, it incorporated existing judicial practices established by the court system over time. Those are what we call judicial interpretations by courts. And those sections closely related to employment law are general principles, property rights, contracts, personal rights, and torts. Okay, that's quite a broad category of changes. We'll cover, of course, uh, the most significant employment-related sections of the Civil Code, as I said in upcoming podcasts. But today, let's start with the personal rights section. Some of our listeners may be surprised to learn that the Civil Code grants protection for personal privacy and personal information, even in China. This is a really significant development. I know many countries across APAC already have significant privacy rules, but what do you think that employers need to know about the Civil Code's new focus on personal privacy rights and how that intersects with employers' obligations? I believe the first question most people would ask is, what is privacy? By the definition of the civil code, privacy is the undisturbed private life of a natural person and his private space, private activities, and private information that he does not want to be known to others. This is the first time actually in China history that individual privacy rights have been clearly defined. And to understand this, I think there are two tricky issues that employers should know. First, how to understand the scope of the private information and what is individual is unwilling to let others know. If we say one person chooses to disclose his private information to a small group of people, does it mean he gives up the privacy? The answer is no. He may still reserve the privacy because he is unwilling to add, let others know but those few people. And the second question could be how to determine whether the person is willing to let others know the information and the standard is quite subjective and up to the person himself. Until we ask that person, we would not know whether he has privacy expectation over a certain piece of information. And when it comes to the workplace, it could be tricky that how employers could manage employees' personal information and how to monitor employees' workspace, emails, etc. That sounds like a very subjective standard if we're relying in part on what the individual himself or herself believes should be kept private. So. So what kind of actions then could be considered as infringing on a person's privacy? Many of them, for example, disturbing the peace of other people's private lives through telephones, text messages, instant messages, WeChat, emails we all use at the workplace. 
and or uh, entering into or taking photo of uh, other people's private space, such as home or hotel rooms. And when we talk about private spaces, those not only include physical spaces, but also virtual spaces, such as email box or uh, phones or messages box. I also understand includes processing another person's private information, which is impacts uh, the developing area of China's data privacy scheme, which has already been developing over a few years. We'll talk about that in another program, but tell me more about this infringement of privacy. What do employers do with it? In the past, I believe most employers don't uh, believe that employees have privacy right at the workplace. Um, for example, the, the space, uh, the, the offices, and the work emails, the work phones, employers believe all those are company's property and employees should have no say about it and they should have no privacy. But with new code, those uh, those opinions could be questionable because I noticed that um, there are lots of debates going on about the privacy rights and some of the courts and judges, they believe when employees use personal passwords or certain other protections at their uh, work uh, emails or uh, the work phones or the work laptop, they do have certain kind of expectation of privacy at those devices. So in the past, employers may monitor those devices and the workspace without any notification to the employees, without any consent from the employees. In the future, those behaviors could be questionable. So I know that many U.S. multinationals will include in their systems use policies statements like, this is a company, this is a company system have no expectation of privacy in its use. Are you saying that that may not be enough in the future? Yes, that may not be enough. I mean, it also depends on the uh, workplace policy and how the employers define that and what is the manner of use by the employees, um, you know, using those devices. So um, I believe employers should be mindful of those ch challenges. So then we know that this is a brand new law, and of course, we'll see how it develops over time. But at least initially, then, what are your suggestions that employers should do now? I would recommend employers reevaluate whether their management behaviors and the monitor policies exceed the limits of the legislation and adjust them to ensure compliance with the new code. For instance, to monitor emails, um, the employers may consider notifying employees of the monitor behaviors, or the best approach could be uh, getting the consent from employees. Also, employers should consider training their management teams so that they're aware of their obligations and those challenges. Well, this has been a very interesting discussion with you, Nancy, today. Thank you so much for your time. And we'll invite you to join us again as we delve further into the impact of the civil code. Thank you for having me. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. 
to discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice. Visit littler.com slash podcasts.